I played the L5. So that was like the person in the middle, essentially like the wedge buster. Like whenever there was yeah. a wedge, I knew I was most likely going to meet a tight end. By the time I got there, I already knew what it was. Yeah. We used to say, if you're on kickoff, man, you got to be a war daddy. That's what we used to say. We used to say war daddies. You got to be a war daddy out there. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. I was looking at the spread. I was like, what's the spread? I saw Shiano was, he's saying, we're going to come in and win. I'm like, I mean, what are you going to say, right? You got to say that maybe, but it's 40 and a half points, man. What did he mean by win? I don't know. Do you mean like win the game? <laughs> or we're going to come in with a winning mindset? Man, I mean, all he did was just, who do we blame the most for the defense? For like, not this year's defense, obviously, but previous. Oh, in the past? Like for the last few years, like, Who's everyone blaming? Well, we started off blaming Coach Fickle when he was here, right? Yep. And then I moved to Chiano because everyone loved who's the guy that ended up going to Boston College. I remember his name. I'm drawing a blank right now, but I know what you're talking about. We should know that. I loved him because I think that was a national championship year yep. when he was calling. Yep. And then Chiano came in. Halfley. I can like, think of it. Yes, Jeff Halfley. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. And then he came in. It's not an easy place to coach football. No. They don't have that talent there. No. And it's not like the Boston colleges from like the early 2000s, mid-2000s when they were actually decent, right? Yeah. It's a different Boston college now. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, they are 0-2 in conference, 1-3 overall. I don't think he's considered a bad coach, but... It's talent. That was a quick jump. That was like one year gone. And yeah, you know, I'm thinking if he does... Let's just say he stayed for two or three years. Like, what other jobs could have opened up? Because a lot of who was it? I mean, Ryan Day, right? Mississippi State. He could have taken the Mississippi State job, yeah, and then compete with Alabama and LSU every year. No, he waited, and then Urban man. <laughs> Listen, from what I hear, if you hear it multiple times from multiple sources, yeah. it starts to be like, eh, this might actually be true, right? But like, I don't think many coaches like coaching under Urban. Yeah, so I think that probably played a part in it. Because I think it was something like Urban felt like if you were a coach at Ohio State, you couldn't leave the facility until like a certain time. Mm. That was 7.30 or 8 or 8.30. Yeah. Like some coaches are like, yo, I'm done at like 4.30 or 6. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the off-season. I'm not talking about in-season. Right. I'm talking about off-season. So like, you know, coaches got families and they're like, yeah, I ain't doing that. Yeah. So it could have been that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny to me sometimes because we're surprised when some stuff comes out on some of these extremely competitive coaches and successful coaches that they do things a different way. What were we expecting in some of those? Because he was clearly uncomfortable on the sidelines. Like, forget the health reasons aside, like, we would laugh about it. We're like, I think Urban's going to die on this play. This has nothing to do with his health. Like that Michigan game when he just fell down when they won it right at the end. I mean, man, he just played with his whole soul. <laughs> yeah, put his entire soul, heart and soul in that thing. So yeah, I mean, he's an intense coach. You know exactly who you were getting with Urban Meyer. Yeah. I think he may have been like a psych major as well. Yeah. But you can tell that he's definitely working on the psyche of his players. Yeah. Because I mean, they're tuned in. Yeah. That's for sure. But one thing that we always said with Urban... Even going back, looking at Florida and then Ohio State and Jacksonville, like you can only coach on fear for so long. Right. You can tell someone they're trash and they need to keep on working for so long, right? You can only do that for so long. Yeah. Because from my understanding, he was kind of using that same approach at Florida. And they're like, yo, we already won two national championships. Like, you can't just keep calling this trash and threatening to take away scholarships. At a certain point, players are going to be like, yeah. Yeah. We're not doing it anymore. And I think it kind of sort of happened at Ohio State-ish. Mm-hmm. Like that coaching on fear, like it doesn't work anymore. 
And then once they changed uh, the scholarship rule to where scholarships were no longer one year renewable and it changed to four, like you can't really threaten to take that scholarship away anymore. And before it meant more. Now it's kind of like I'm locked in. Yeah. Unless I do something crazy, like I'm pretty much locked in. Yeah. When he came here, right? Ohio State, Big Ten, they had the four year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. But there's always been thought where like he had his favorites. I think every coach, every coach every person has their favorite, right? Yeah. I think, I forgot who said this. I think it was an NFL player. I think maybe Aaron Rodgers or something was going off at the offensive line. And like, someone was like, yo, if I was one of those offensive linemen, like I would have screamed right back at him. I would have got at him. But, you know, the player basically said, you know, he's worked his butt off this entire time and he's earned the right basically to chew me out a little bit mm -hmm. like i give them that leeway and i think it's probably the same thing with the coaches especially like urban or any kind of coach that kind of has a favorite yeah like there's a standard obviously for your football team but if you know someone that's putting in the work and they're doing everything the right way you're going to give a little leeway yeah here and there right so, so you're thinking a halfly is considering leaving because first of all he's got the opportunity to coach in the acc take a program, maybe in a program he's fond of. And he's just like, man, I'm out. Mm. I learned what I learned. I'm ready. I'm going to go do it. And he's young enough to where he could still get a big time job offer. I still think he's widely, I don't know, like in the inner circle. But it's tough because you make these decisions as a coach, like a Ryan Day going to Mississippi State. I mean, maybe he would have been successful. I don't know. But you wait a little bit. And now he's the head coach of Ohio State. And it's like, wow. Yeah, I think... Even if, let's say, Ryan Day ends up leaving and goes to Mississippi State, I think he can turn up that program around and make them on a level where they're competing yeah. on a national level because he can recruit. Yeah, I think it comes to once you get there, you can't control the talent that's there. You have what you have, right? Yeah. But once you're there and you establish that culture, it's your job to go out and recruit the football team that you want. Right. Or else you're just going to get what you get. Yeah. And you can't get mad about it. Like, that's what you chose. So I look at, where's that coach? Was it Loxley over in uh, Maryland? Yeah. Yeah. So like when he came in, I mean, Maryland, at one point I used to say like, yo, Maryland can't play Big Ten football. They don't have the players to do it. Yeah. Like they're getting beat up. Like they literally do not have the players to do it. But then going back and watching the Maryland-Michigan game, I mean, my opinion, Maryland is literally one to two plays away, oh, which one of those plays is the opening kickoff. Yeah. Where the ball bounces off the kid's face mask. Yeah. But yeah, they're one or two plays away from winning that game. Yeah. And they were beating Michigan up. Yeah. They were running the ball. They're built to play in the Big Ten. And he did that. Yeah. He did that. It's amazing how one play, like the Ohio State opening kickoff. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that ball bounces a little bit one way, and I'm not saying that Wisconsin's going to win that game if they get that ball there, but it, they, they're not starting up 28 nothing. <laughs> exactly. Momentum is everything. So, you know, look at that game. And I know we're bouncing back and forth. Yeah, let's do it. You know, that Maryland-Michigan game, I'm watching it. Bounces off his face mask. Michigan yeah. recovers. The very next play, they score a touchdown. Yeah. Controlled that football game throughout the entire process, throughout the entire game. So, like, that one play actually mattered. Because I think if Maryland would have got the football right then and there, mm -hmm. they would have scored at least three. Yeah. Their kicker was on point. Like, he was hitting from 50. So, like... Like Maryland had a great football team, but like those plays matter. They matter. And we don't know what play is going to be. Right. We really don't. Right. Or those interceptions, right? I mean, there was that one, it hits the ground. And I know we talked about this and I get it. You can't let the refs decide it for you. But it, man, is it frustrating for one of the teams and it is what it is. And you have to find a way to overcome those things. It's just amazing with all the money that goes into it. That it's never got reviewed. But then I guess we can blame the coaches to say, why aren't you calling a timeout and give them more time? Or what are you thinking? Because you're kind of like... I mean, honestly, I don't know what that entire process looks like. Yeah. But I can imagine that there was someone up there in the booth that could have stopped the game. Yeah. And said, hey, actually, that hit the ground. Yeah. I think they could have done it. But again, I don't know that entire process. Yeah. I know, like in the NFL, I think anything inside of what, two minutes and a half or whatever. All turnovers, all touchdowns, I think are reviewed. Yeah, so it's reviewed, right? So I think at that point, you should have you reviewed that. And if they did, Maryland still has the ball. They get another chance and maybe they get three points. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 
not not worrying about doing an onside kick or going for two. I think they ended up going for two at one of the drives as well. Yeah. After they scored a touchdown. So like those things matter. But I mean, Michigan got away with one, but I was more impressed with Maryland and their yeah. ability to play Big Ten football. Yeah. Like they're going to be a problem this year. That's the week before Michigan, Ohio State gets them on the road. Uh, you know, I know it's not like a major environment, but it's hey, still on the road. That football team is yeah. a different team. Yeah. Maryland is, I would say they finally have arrived. Yeah. To play Big Ten. Yeah. Football. Like they have all the tools, yeah. offensive line. Big running backs. I think the one running back may be a freshman, but he's like, or maybe a redshirt freshman. I think he got recruited in there at, uh, I think they said he was 290 pounds. Yeah. And then he lost weight. That's I think crazy. it's like 235. That's but crazy. Like, yo, like, yeah. that's a big dude. Like, when well, they have talent, right? That area, the Mid Atlantic has talent. Mm-hmm. They've always been a pipeline, right? Ohio State's gotten some serious players from that area. Yeah. I mean, I know Irvin used to recruit that area heavy yeah. down in Florida. I mean, obviously at Ohio State, he did, but. A lot of his guys are from like that DMV area. Yeah. I think Joe Hayden might be from over there as well. So like that was one of his guys going back. Yeah, going down to Florida. So that area stays with talent. Yeah, intensity. We're talking about. Well, let me go back real quick on Michigan because we were there. Mm-hmm. They got running back, and they're not afraid to run the ball. Man, they're tough. You and JB were talking about that last week, and I was going to ask that question. Like, yeah. they got that toughness back. Like. I don't know if they have it all back, but they got that toughness. And maybe it's the player, maybe it's the line, maybe it's a combination, but like that's a little bit different. And they started getting that last year. Yeah. I mean, listen, they got a running back that can he can run between the tackles and he also has the speed to take it the distance, right? So Michigan did what they were supposed to do. They said, Hey, you know what? We're struggling to pass. We're struggling to get things going. We got a guy at running back who is willing to run the rock 30, 35 times and can yeah. do it. And we know he's going to break at least one or two. So we're just going to keep on giving him the ball. And as an offensive lineman, I can imagine they're kind of like, well, the game's in our hands. Let's go and get it. Yeah. Right. So that's the toughness that you need in the Big Ten. But one of the things that I found interesting in that game is they said that there's two people on offense that are calling plays. So there's not like this one person mm. that decides, hey, this is who we are. Yeah. So that'd be interesting down the road. Yeah. Well, that was 2015 Ohio State, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people yeah. look back. It's like Urban made that mistake when he lost mm-hmm. Herman. He had these two guys running the show and he didn't have anybody running that show. They threw that year away in some respects. And we did not give the ball this week for yeah. Michigan State, but that's yeah. neither here or there. Yeah. Man, it's somewhere. Not I'll tell I you what. I mean, I've heard, and we were talking about like the Zach Smith podcast and he's a receiver coach at the time. Mm-hmm. And college football is different where they're just locking the, the, first of all, the weather was horrible, but they were locking the receivers up and they couldn't, he was like, these are all fouls, right? These are all penalties and they weren't calling it. And so what are you going to do? And it's like, well, you could have just run the ball. At that point, you got to say, Hey, we got Zeke, we got everybody just run the ball. But apparently I think they said he was sick that week. He was in the hospital it or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, there's always something to it. I get it. But if you got to either, I mean, I think he got the ball, what, 10 or 11 times? Just that, stupid, yeah. Like, if that's the case, then put another running back in there yeah. and run the ball. Right. If you're not going to let him run, right. either way, you got to run the ball. Yeah. And that Michigan State game still upsets me a yeah. little bit. There was the, few years later, I think it was the year JT got hurt and the offensive mm. staff had gone to Urban and said, take JT out and put Haskins in. He was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And they thought that gave them the better chance of winning because JT just, you could count on him to get first downs and do this thing. But like to that next level to play Clemson, for example, he wasn't going to get it done. Is it? And it proved it out, right? They lost 31 nothing, And you can't blame the defense in that game because Clemson's going to score. The defense on the field the entire time. No, they were on the field the entire time. The entire time. That first interception that Hooker had, I mean, that was... Yeah, yeah. That was I mean, listen, <laughs> we just need our offense to score. Yeah. But I say that was the year we did the zone read quarterback kept it. Then we ran the bubble screen yeah. and then we threw a swing pass and then we punted. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what we did the entire time. Yeah. Like, constantly. I'm yeah. like, yo, we're going to need some help. Yeah. ASAP. But. Yeah. But he was set in his ways, you know, and sometimes it worked. Yeah. Urban felt like JT gave him the best opportunity to win. I mean, yeah. JT Baird is probably, as far as leadership goes, he's probably the number one leader in Ohio State football history oh, at this man. point. Obviously, yeah. he's... Yeah one of the most winningest 
quarterbacks just because it felt like he was here for 17 years. Right. But, yeah. Yeah, man, he's, he's the most winningest quarterback. I mean, yeah. when you have a leader like that, it's hard. You can't take him off the field. It's one of those things where I'm going to win or I'm going to lose on this guy's shoulders. Yeah. So. It's tough. It's a tough situation. I mean, Alabama did it, right? I mean, when they mm-hmm. had at halftime of a national championship game, you'd make the change. It's like very, very few but coaches would have been. It's different. Nick I get Saban's it. Different. Been, yeah. But Nick Saban's a different yeah. coach. Like he, but that's what they say Urban is too. But that's that's a different level of different. <laughs> but Nick Saban's like a defensive guy. Like as far as like, yeah, he expects his players to play at the standard and or above the standard, right? Yeah. But Nick Saban is also one of those things where he doesn't care about feelings. Like, yes, he is a leader and he's going to continue being a leader, but he's going to stand on the sideline and be a leader. Right. Right. Where Urban's like, hey, I'm going to just ride with JT. But Urban's also an offensive guy. Yeah. Compared to Nick Saban, who, I mean, he's defense all day. So, and he runs the ball. Yeah. Imagine that. Man. You say all those guys, very intense. And the broadcast picked up on it this week. And they talked about how intense Ryan Day was on the sidelines at, at any point, at any score. And they've written about it now. And we all saw it, right? We we're like, okay, there's something a little bit different going on here. Yeah. And, you know, like we talked about yesterday offline, like just the way they ran the football. Mm-hmm. But there is like, you saw it, right? Like you saw that different intensity that he brought to that game. I mean, he's always intense, but like that was, he was getting after it. Like, didn't matter the time. Yeah, and I can't, obviously, I don't, I've not had a one-on-one conversation with him to say, hey, this is exactly what Ryan Day is thinking. But, I mean, he probably saw, looked within himself and said, you know what, I'm used to being like that laid-back coach and we're going to keep everything calm, cool, and collected. And it's gotten us pretty far, but it hasn't gotten us over that hill that yeah. we need to get over. So him showing that intensity, especially for the players that have been here before and even the new players, seeing that piece, that's letting them know like hey, it's time to go. Yeah. Coach Day is acting this way. Yeah, We need to step our game up. I mean, it keeps them fired up on the sideline. And I think coaching at Ohio State, there's also pressures. Like you lose one game at Ohio State, then they're talking about, hey, we got to find another coach. Yeah, You can go 12-1. Oh, we need another coach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he might be feeling that. There might be, he might hear the whispers of, well, you know, Ryan Day, he's only had Urban's players. So I don't know if Ryan Day can do it. I don't know if this is the coach that we need to win a national championship. And, you know, I'm sure he's taking that extremely personal because yeah. he's a competitor. So he's raising his game and he's expecting the players to do the same. So I would expect that same intensity <laughs> moving forward. Yeah. Well, they have a real opportunity this year. I mean, there's just obvious, right? Very obvious statement, but it's true. But that brings so much pressure and they got big team. They got real games coming up. Penn State's a good team. I mean, I know Iowa's not. Their offense can't do anything, but they got a real defense. Michigan, obviously. Maryland, who you talked about. Michigan State. I mean, I know they're not playing well, but that's still Michigan State on the road. And that pressure, like losing that game last year, just adds another level of pressure. That's just different. So we'll see. It's wild to me because I know it's going backwards a little bit again. That COVID year, when Michigan didn't play Ohio State, I believe, I strongly believe that saved Harbaugh his job. I think if they would have shown up to that game, Ohio State could have won by 50, 60 points. I mean, that Michigan team was not good. That Ohio State team was unreal. That would have been ugly because that was after like, we're going to hang 100 on them. He never got to play. And then the next time they played, it was a better Michigan team on the road in bad weather, the young Ohio State team. I don't know if it saved his job, but it might have saved the Michigan program. I mean, maybe saved his job too. I mean, was he interviewing for coaching jobs before the season? Yeah, but that COVID year, that was that was Fields, and then they. I mean, no, I mean the COVID year would have ended it, right? But yeah. I even think the following year, I think he was interviewing for oh, like yeah. different NFL. This past owners. year, he was. Yeah, oh, this yeah. past year. So like, yeah. it was one of the every year. The, yeah, every year he is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would have been over with for him. I mean, I know they love Harbaugh all up there. Being that would have been Michigan ugly, man. But it would have been bad. Yeah, but yeah, they got through it, and they got a better team for it. And now there's pressure, and it's amazing in that rivalry how some pressure can switch, and it could switch right back. You know, if if Day and company take care of it. Honestly, I don't see, and I don't care if they play this and it's a soundbite, whatever it may be. I don't see Michigan beating Ohio State this year at all. Like they're going to come down to the shoe, and I mean, obviously, it's going to be intense, but 
after a year of hearing, not that you lost, but you got beat up. After yeah. a year of hearing that and then seeing the film and actually seeing like, yeah, they beat us up. Yeah. Like we had more talent, but they beat us up. Like you got beat down. Yeah. In a way that Ohio State has not been beat down in Ohio State, Michigan game like that. And yeah. Probably since what the nineties or the eighties. Like yeah. I haven't seen an Ohio State team beat down like that before. Yeah. So I don't see Michigan coming in here and having the same I guess, opportunities and or intensity that they had last year. Yeah. I just feel like Ohio State's about to destroy them. Like it's not going to be close. I'm there for it, man. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and I believe it's senior day. Like there's so many things that are said. So I'm, I'm, I can't wait. Yeah. Mostly because I don't want to hear my Michigan people talk anymore. They've been they've been running their mouths. Yeah. Talking about we went to the playoffs last year. Uh, we did X Y Z. I'm like, yo. Yeah. I haven't heard anything from y'all since 2011. Yeah. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, stop. There's a lot that happens in the season. And one thing that I watched this weekend, and I've seen, we've all seen it. I mean, obviously injuries are a part of the game. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's showing up every game. I mean, guys are playing. They're not playing. I mean, we didn't know these players were not going to be out there. Neither starting quarterback was there. Receivers are hurt. There's something that's taking place. And you can see this from a safety's perspective because safeties and corners are typically the, the ones that are having to do it because they are saying, you can't hit high, you have to hit low. We're watching tight ends on both sides of the ball, just flipping in the air, legs like decapitated almost, it looks like. Same thing in the NFL. And I was reading this article from 2014 and it was talking about how receivers were going over to the defensive backs pregame and saying, hit me high. I'll pay your fine. Yeah, and I'll pay your fine. I'll pay your fine. Yeah. Don't hit me low. I and they care. were like, was this just once in a while? Like, no, no, no. This is happening all the time. And so it's like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Because then guys are, you know, I mean, you could talk more about this, but it seems to me like we're just, and I get it, like the brain, you want to keep that. But for your playing career, I mean, the injuries that we're seeing, the lower body injuries that we're seeing are just, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, man. I mean, in the game of football, there's going to be injuries for right. sure, right? One of the, the risks you have are concussions. Yep. And since there's been a huge focus on that, obviously the game has shifted to where, hey, we're making sure that we're not hitting people high and we're, we're protecting the quarterback and protecting defenseless players, right? But like you were saying, you're seeing plays right now, NFL and college, where I mean, a tight end would be, or whatever it may be, just they're wide open. It'd be like a normal tackle that we would have saw back in the day. Right. And you're almost like forcing players to go low. And yeah. that's when you're getting the ACLs. And I think yeah. the tight end from Wisconsin, I'm pretty sure he broke his ankle. Yeah. Hopefully not, but I have to go and research it. But you saw on that play, I mean, his toe was still in the turf when mm. he was hit. And as soon as he hit the ground, he took his helmet off. Yeah. You already knew it was over. Like there's just certain hits and injuries where you just kind of already know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you go back yeah. to being like, hey. Because they won't let them hit high. There's just no yeah, way that's going to happen. High. I don't know yeah. if you go back. And I don't know how you do. Because so many players would rather deal with a concussion or a high hit yeah. than an ACL. ACL, I'm out for like months on end. And now it's affecting my draft stock. Yep. Or it's affecting the way I pay for my family's lifestyle in the NFL. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which technically now college is affecting your lifestyle with the NIL. So you never know. Yeah. Well, and some of these leg injuries, they're not easy to overcome. Like, you know, the ACL, oh, no. you can do it, but some of these are like multi, you know, compound fractures. We've seen the guys now they're jumping over, right? That started. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, like in some of the plays that we saw, you didn't even know that because you're catching it and you're turning and you're already flipping in there. Yeah. It's bang, bang. I mean, I want to say that happened Thursday night when the Browns played? I think it was yeah. Thursday night when yeah. they played the Steelers. And Joku got hit low. And I was like, yo, like, why are we hitting low? I understand yeah. why. Yeah. That's the rule. You have to. But it was like, it's something where I don't want the game to go to, right? Right. But at this point, it's become one of those things where like people are going to start getting hurt even worse. Yeah. And then we're going to have to go back to the rules and say, hey, okay, maybe we can hit a little bit lower. Yeah. Are a little bit higher than what we were doing before. Yeah. And still trying to protect, you know, head injuries. But well, it's gonna be like baseball mm-hmm. below the elbows, above the knees, that's your strike zone. I mean, right. good luck. But you're right. But like the tight end, so so much of 
the way I see it is like the tight end's an ultimate mismatch because if they're mm-hmm. fast, if they have hands, they're running down the middle of the field. You can't hit them high. You can't, right. a lot of times it takes two defensive backs to take that tight end out. Mm-hmm. You can't hit him at the line. So what are you supposed to do with this guy? So the only thing you do is just take his ankles out. Yeah, but I think there's there's a little difference, right? If this guy's running full speed at you, yeah. and then you dive at him, which we used to call ankle biters, like you dive at him or try to do a gator roll, whatever it might be, to take him down, I think that's a little bit different than someone who's not looking. Oh, that is different. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a lot different. And like going low on those plays, like the first one I described, mm-hmm. that's a lot different than what we've been seeing. But again, that's just what the game's evolved to. Right. And unfortunately for these receivers, God bless. Yeah. Some yeah. of these hits are just going to be, <laughs> you just never know. And if you don't see it, you know, like the Tory Holt example, where mm-hmm. he would get out of bounds and him and Isaac Bruce would get down before they got hit. They would live to play another play. Yeah. But sometimes they, you're throwing the ball over the field. They don't have a chance to get out of bounds in those situations. And those situations are a little bit different. I believe Tom Brady said this too during an interview because they were talking about fines and this, that, the other. He's like, yeah, it's the quarterback's job to protect the receiver. Yeah. Like, if you know what's zone coverage and you're leading your receiver into a defender, like, that's on you. Right. Like, you have to put the ball in the spot where he can actually sit down and protect himself, not continue to let him drift right. so that someone can just take his head off. Yeah. Right. So, like I said, it's on the quarterback. It's on the rules of the game now. Like I said, it's a big focus on the head injury. So, yeah. I mean, when you're running this fast and players are just getting faster and stronger and just bigger, head injuries are always going to be an issue, right? And I know they're trying to avoid those things, but... What are we adding in lieu yeah. of? Or, yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious to see the studies on like how many leg injuries are actually occurring due to the rule change. Yeah. Now you see them run out there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we're just not paying attention to it because we're like, man, it's a lot of... ACLs and broken leg here, yeah. ankle here. We just don't know. But I'd be curious to see the studies on that. Yeah. Well, when they start doing this to the quarterbacks, when they're running around Mahomes and Allen and these guys, that's a problem. And they'll start paying attention. And that's what they're waiting for, right? That's what will make some change. But watch a game and you'll see. Just watch how low they're going and watch the injuries. And you see, even when you think they're good, then they fall back down. They, they're crawling off the field because it's got hurt so bad. And I'd rather somebody hit me high any day. Yeah. And any part of my lower body, like, mm, I'm good. Yeah. So the other thing that comes up a lot, and we're talking about injuries, a lot of injuries happen in this is special teams. So it's been conversation mm-hmm. about what do we do with special teams? What do we do with kickoffs? They're just like, yeah. I mean, there's, I was at the game in Buffalo and Kevin Everett, tight end, who went to Miami, played for the Broncos and opening kickoff of the second half and he's blocking and he never played football again, you know, and that's freak injury. Things happened and they were able to save him. And it was like very scary situation. But for someone who played special teams, you know, people say, well, let's just get rid of the kickoff and give the ball to the offense on the 25. It's like, okay, you could do that. And maybe you save some people from getting hurt, but you're now eliminating jobs. So someone who's played the position before at a very high level, like what comes to mind when you think of special teams? Special teams, especially on kickoffs, what we say at Ohio State, and I played L5. So that was like the person in the middle, essentially like the wedge buster. Like whenever there was yeah. a wedge, I knew I was most likely going to meet a tight end. By the time I got there, I already knew what it was. Yeah. We used to say, if you're on kickoff, man, you got to be a war daddy. That's what we used to say. We used to say war daddies. You got to be a war daddy out there. And like when you run down on kickoff, it's the closest thing to like running out in the battlefield. And I mean that. Seriously, it was my redshirt freshman year, but we were playing Wisconsin, 2008 at Wisconsin, at Camp Randall. And I'm running down on kickoff, and I kid you not, for some reason, it was like slow motion. So I take off, I'm running, and I see one of the Wisconsin players kind of loop around. So I just remember pointing and be like, hey, it's a looper, because I already knew he was looping around to come and get somebody. And I guess... The other team, my, so uh, who was, I don't think it was B-Roll. It was somebody else who was two people down from me. They must have not seen it mm. and did not see us pointed out. Because the next thing I know, out of the corner of my eye, I just see arms and legs just flying in the air. <laughs> like, just his body just destroyed. Jeez. So like, that's why I say it is seriously Jeez. like a war zone. Ugh. 
I mean, to take that away from the game, you're eliminating jobs, right? And then as a young player or even an older player, like that might be your chance to go and make a play that's going to change the game. Yeah. Right. And I say that because even my experience on kickoff, again, 2010 opening kickoff versus Marshall, right? First game of college football season. So I'm running down, Marshall returner gets the ball, Dorian Bell comes in, destroys his cat. Like, dudes, destroyed. But Dory ended up knocking himself out of the game by a concussion. But he destroyed dude. He fumbled. So I'm running. I ended up jumping on the ball and recovering it. And that was the first play in college football was me recovering mm. a fumble right there, right? So that's intense. We get going. So it's just something where you have to recognize and know and love the game. Yeah. One. You have to recognize, know, and love the game enough to run down on kickoff. Yeah. Because I also have teammates who went on to the NFL. Dane Sandsenbacher, for example, he came back and we were talking about, you know, his experience and within the group, we were talking about his experience in the NFL and he was saying like, like playing receiver is cool and all, but they had me on like the front line on kickoff return. <laughs> and I'm looking across and I got guys the size of Cam, Cam Hayward, they want me to go out and block. He's like, I'm not even 200 pounds. Like, you guys are nuts. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> he said, at that moment, I realized and had so much more respect for people who play special teams because it's a war zone out there. Like, yeah. I would never want to do that. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I don't know if I love football anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I like playing it, but eh, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. City ended up retiring like after the season. <laughs> like, eh, I'm good. Yeah. Nah. I don't need that. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, kickoff is wild, man. Yeah. Go back to your question. Like, I don't think you take it away because if you take it away, then especially NFL wise, like that's guys' jobs. Right. There's literally like Nate Ebner, for example. Yeah. Ohio State guy. He got some snaps with the Patriots or whatnot and with the Giants, but he's a special teams guy. He was special teams captain. Like you take away special teams, then what do you have? Right. Because you take away kickoff, the next thing you're going to take away is punt. Yeah. And then do you still have a 53-man roster? Anymore? Right. Probably not. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, it's job security, but it's also one of those things the worst part of the game. Yeah. you got to be a war daddy out there. Yeah. Well, they got rid of the wedge, right? They get rid of the wedge. They got rid of the wedge, thank God. And they're educating, right? I mean, I think maybe that's it. It's like how to position yourself. You know, you tell me like, because maybe you can educate on where your head placement and how you block and how you engage because just being thrown out there, like you make a mistake and do the wrong thing. But I guess freak injuries happen too. Yeah, like the safest thing on like say kickoff return, for example, like the safest position that you can be on when it comes to kickoff return is to be a part of this game where you get to double team somebody. Because at least you have someone else there to like help brace the impact. And then like you're double teaming someone. Like one-on-one blocks, and it also depends on who that person on kickoff is too. Yeah. Because there's some people on kickoff that they're not trying to hit you. They're literally trying to juke you, avoid you, and get to the ball. But then you have random crazy people like me who are like, if you're in front of me, I'm going to hit you regardless. So, no, whatever happens, happens, right? So, there's no safe place in special teams, especially kickoff or kickoff return, minus someone who, maybe the kicker is safe. And then maybe the person who's on the double team, not the wedge, but the person on the double team. Everyone else, good luck. I've seen many bodies fly. Yeah. So that's just naive of me to even think like, okay, we can educate. Because once you get out there, like you said, in a war zone, like you can only train so much to do something. But once people are running full speed at you and they want to take you out. And even if you do it perfectly, there's still a chance for injury. And I say that because going back to the Fiesta Bowl, 2008, running down on kickoff, versus Texas, and Jordan Shipley's returning the ball. A few people on the kickoff team, we got bets going on, like $20 to the person who makes the tackle. At this point, I think I had $20. I think Jamari O'Neal had like $20, and Sean Lane had $40, because he was just down there just killing it on kickoff. <laughs> so balls kicked, and I'm like, man, I got to be Scott. I got to be Sean. So I'm running down, running down. I see Jordan Shipley. I'm like, okay, great. Here goes another $20 for me. <laughs> and then Sean Lane comes out of nowhere. 
smashing. Perfect tackle. Hands up. Everything's perfect. So I get up there, walk up to Sean. I try to talk to him. I'm like, all right, bro, you won. Let me help you up. And he looked at us and he was like, nah, I can't get up. We thought he was joking. So we're like, bro, come on. So we went to go pick him up. And like his body was just dead weight. So we were confused. Like, yo, what's going on? It's like, man, I can't feel my legs. Shit. And at that point, we called the trainers over. They put him on the stretcher. And I believe he ended up having surgery either that day or that night or the day after. But to this day, he doesn't have function of his right arm from that perfect tackle on mm-hmm. kickoff. Now, people might say, oh, it's because he was sprinting down on kickoff, but he could have did the same thing playing defense or corner. Like, yeah, everything can be perfect. It just accidents happen. That yeah. was just a freak accident. I mean, he definitely made tackles harder than that in his career. Yeah. That was just the one that injured him. How do you, like, that's opening kickoff. So there's multiple kickoffs still to go in that game. That was like maybe third or fourth quarter, okay. maybe. Did you have to run back out there later on a kickoff? Do you remember? Kickoff, kickoff return, like, yeah. You just focus on the moment? Yeah, you just block it out and just kind of focus on the moment. And because he was injured, I mean, you never think someone's like injured to the point where they're going to lose function in their right arm, right? So you don't know what's going to be. You know, we find out his arm is completely mm. just it does not have use of it anymore, right? And it kind of it scares you as a player because that's someone who, I mean, you worked out with them. Like, that was your big brother, basically. Taught you the ropes of Ohio State and had mm. great times with him going out and standing the other. So just to see him laid out and unable to move his arm, it was definitely tough. And a funny story with him is a few years later, they had Sean come back in. I forgot what game it was. It was 2010, though. And it was during breakfast, pregame breakfast. And Coach Trussell did this big speech. Like, you know, this guy right here hails from Youngstown, Ohio, pound for pound, the greatest hitter, greatest player we ever had. He was a special teams ace. And he essentially made like ultimate sacrifice for this Ohio State football team. And that's why we have him as the honorary captain today. So Sean gets up. And keep in mind, I played with Sean. And there's still a few cats in there that they know his name, but they never played with him. They don't know who this person is. They don't know like how Sean really is. And Sean's a jokester. Mm. So (laughs) he's telling the story. And he's like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people you know, when they hear about my injury, they were watching the game and they looked me in my eyes and, you know, they asked the question, like, Sean, you know, if you knew, if you knew this was going to happen to you, would you have still run down the field? And then it's like silence in the room. So he pauses. Like, in my mind, I'm like, I know Sean's about to say some off the wall thing. Like, I already know what he's about to say. <laughs> and I'm looking around like, Coach Fitt and Coach Haycock are on the edge of, edge of their seats like, yeah, this guy's a war daddy. I know what he's going to say. Coach Trussell's intense, got his elbow on the table, shaking his head like, yeah, yeah, I know Sean's going to give us a speech that's going to really get this team fired up. So Sean goes back and goes, yeah, they asked me, would I do it again if I knew this was going to happen? And I respond, Hell no, I wouldn't do it again. You know what's wrong with me? I'm arm ain't moving, X, Y, Z. And I bust out laughing. <laughs> and like half the team that knows him is laughing. Some of the coaches start laughing. But then you have the players who don't know him. They're like, I don't know if I should laugh. It's supposed to be a serious moment. Like, what's going on? But like, yeah, like, yeah, kickoff is a wild thing. Yeah. Like, I've seen some crazy things happen on kickoff. But yeah, yeah man, my dude, that's not, he did his thing. Yeah. That story to this day is still one of the funniest things I've heard. Yeah. That's wild, man. Mm-hmm. And you have to have that, right? Because, or maybe you hope to have people around you that can make light of it, right? Have fun with it. Because mm-hmm. like you said, it's, it's hard sometimes to watch. And you watch football with, you see these injuries and you see what people mm-hmm. are dealing with and you know the impact that it could have, but you also know the opportunity that football brings. Mm-hmm. There's this like, it pulls in both directions, I think. So what do we do with it? And so, man, it drives so much, whether it's what we're talking about high school, college, professional. It's like that is the driving sport in this country by like many, many miles. And it's not changing, I don't think, anytime soon. But man, it's, 
the amount of attention. I mean, here we are talking about all these stories that you have in the games and what, you know, Ohio State's about to host Rutgers 330 game. And they're a 40 and a half point favorite. They're going to sell that stadium out. They're going to make, I don't know how much Ohio State makes per game, something a lot. And that pays for so much. I mean, it's just, they need it. And you need everything from the opening kickoff to the field goals, to the punts. People always ask, like, and I don't know if you have an answer to this, what would you rather, if you had to return one, I don't know if you ever did, a kick or a punt, like what's crazier? Oh, punt for sure. Okay. Because if you drop that ball, it's just, you're done. <laughs> I mean, not just that, but there's times where you catch the ball, you look up. Yeah. And then the person's right there. It's like, yeah. whoops, I'm shooting for a cup there. Yeah. Good luck. Man. I mean, at least kickoff return, because I returned punts and kickoffs in high school. So, yeah, man, there was times where, especially we played a, a good team that had a great punter that yeah. literally just kicked the ball straight up in the sky. I was not returning anything. Yeah. As soon as I saw them go up, certain out, right. I just fair catch. Yeah. I'm just fair catch. I'm like, they can't hit me. I'm fair caught it. Like, yeah. Yeah. You better but, catch uh, it yeah. now. <laughs> oh, I've never dropped. Oh, actually, that's a lie. I did drop <laughs> one. I dropped one. Where's Warren Harden? But it was my sophomore year, so it doesn't yeah, count. Yeah, yeah. That one doesn't count. Yeah. Well, if the ball's high enough, then the guys have gotten down there already. They're still going to hit you, but it's not like when they're running full speed. And if they time it properly... Uh, punt is the only... Well, you can do it on kickoff too now. But like punt, at least if it's sky high, just fair catch it. Yeah. Yeah. Like then it's just like, just catch the ball. Yeah. You said something about when you played a good team. So a Friday, I'm at a high school football game. Where my kids go, they got a really good team. They're playing some other team. And it's just, I mean, this poor team had to drive an hour plus to get here. And they took their foot off the gas in the second half. And they had to wait at halftime because like homecoming. So they had like the halftime celebration. I was like, just let this team go home, man. And in college football, one of the reasons a lot of people don't like college football is because of the inequality of so many of the games. Like, but as a player, like people talk about, I want to go to Ohio State because I want to play that opening. I want that atmosphere of playing Notre Dame, even though it's out of conference game. We have a chance of losing that game, which could maybe possibly eliminate us or potentially give a reason why we wouldn't be in the playoff. You want to play in those big games, but I get you probably can't do it like you do in the NFL. Like, what are you thinking as a player, those marquee games versus like when you're just running out there and playing a, a lesser opponent? And I get it. The App State beats Michigan. That happens very rarely, but it can happen. It's on the table. Or do you just not think about that? Like, do you not even care? I, so like, take that for what you want. Well, as a player, as someone who chose Ohio State, and most people choose Ohio State, obviously you want to go to Ohio State, right? Right. But you go there so that you can play in the big games, so that you can make plays, so that you can get to the NFL. Right? Let's call that the Wisconsin's and the Notre Dame's of the world. Yeah. But, but then you have Toledo, Akron, and Youngstown State or whoever else that may be, you have to understand that just because they're not at a big university, they still have us circled on their calendar saying, hey, this is the game that I was waiting. This is my NFL draft game. And I say that to say, like, if you go back, I forgot what year it was, but when Ohio State played Buffalo yep. and Khalil Mack just went that. off. Yeah. Went off. I think like, went yeah. off. I think returned a pick from the line of scrimmage for a touchdown. Oh, he was unbelievable. Yeah. Like games like that, like he was killing it in the Mac. And Pete, NFL teams knew him, but he went in Ohio Stadium and was the best player on the field. That's how you get to the NFL. So, yeah. like, regardless of what situation you're in, whether you're like, I want to play these big teams to get to the NFL, or we're playing a smaller team. Yeah. Like that smaller team has you circled because you are their chance to get in front of scouts because they know. They're going to watch Ohio State's game. They might not watch Youngstown State. And I'm not picking on Youngstown State. I'm just saying. I guess My brother coaches there. My cousin does as well. But it's just a small. It's a division one double way. Yeah. But they have players too. They just may not have the size, right? Yeah. But they have players that can play the game. So they have that thing circled just like everybody else. So you just as a player, you got to recognize that any given Sunday or Saturday, you can get beat by anyone. Yeah. We've seen that, especially in college football this year. Yeah. Like, I feel like you might have one or two matches where you're like, man, I can't believe such and such just beat this program. This week, it's almost like, who lost this week? I know somebody's going to lose to a team they weren't supposed to. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We're seeing it more and more for sure. So, it's one of those things where you want those marquee games, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you want to play football. 
And whoever they put out in front of us, we're playing football. And if we're going to beat them by 70 points or 50 points or 30, like, fine. And maybe that's the opportunity. That's your Heisman game, right? That's your stat game. That's if that turns out to be that way. Yep. Yeah, you just never know. But either way, there's going to be someone there saying, hey, this is my way to the NFL. Yeah. There's a process to all of it because I know coaches are still, they're working through all of it. You know, when they play Rutgers this week, there's a lot of stuff that they can be doing because they want to be hitting their stride as they get into these other games. You saw something and we talked yesterday. We can touch on this and make some predictions. They ran the ball like really well, man. And the line was pushing. There were some holes. You're just like, there's the whole field, right? That they were running through. You said you saw what I needed to see. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Yeah, they showed toughness. Like regardless of it being 28 nothing, right? Regardless of any of that, they showed toughness. They ran the ball. We had two running backs go for over 100, right? Our offensive line was finishing blocks. We were playing well, which I knew we were going to do well in the air because we always do. We have CJ Stroud and the greatest receivers and the greatest receiving assistant coach in college football. Like I already knew that was going to happen, but you know, to play a Big Ten team like a Wisconsin, who historically you're going to play great defense. Wisconsin, that's what they do. And for us to go in there, dominate, not just in the air, but on the land too, like be able to run the ball the way that we did. That's everything I needed to see. Yeah. And they never took their foot off the pedal. They kept going. Like that's important. And I think that really established who we were as a football team. Obviously we can continue to grow in that, but sky's the limit for this team. This team is scary good. Yeah. Everyone's good. Yeah. So, the way he's designing plays when we're talking about throwing the ball and it's like, they're like handing the ball off 30 yards down the field sometimes. Yeah. They're that open. Like, yeah, the receivers got to do some stuff, but somehow they schemed it up and where he's dropping. And even when they're not open, he's still dropping them in there. Well, you know what I love about CJ Stroud? It was a play in the first, I think the first quarter. Like he recognized the blitz right away. Like he knew where it was coming. Yeah. So as soon as he did his drop, he knew where it was going with the ball. Like for me, that's the NFL ready throw. He saw the pressure before he even got there. He knew which one of his receivers was going to be open. Yeah. Took his drop, threw it. Yeah. And, yeah. and you could say, well, they don't have the talent on the back end like some of the better teams that they'll play, but that's a legit defensive coordinator scheming up oh, on the yeah. other side. So they're like, the whole concept was Kevin Wilson, Ryan Day versus Jim Leonard. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And like you said, and, and then the quarterback's it. diagnosing it. Mm. Man, he did a great job. Yeah. I love that. 40 and a half points, Rutgers, that's a lot of points, <laughs> but it's over under 60 and a half. That's like Ohio State winning 63 to zero kind of game. But do you think they cover? I mean, that's what it looks like. I'm not saying that's the score. That's not my prediction. I've always said, I think since we started this, I would yeah. say, yeah, I don't think they're going to cover. Yeah. I just don't know if that'll ever happen or not if it ever happen. I don't think they're not going to cover. If that makes sense. Huh. Like, I think it does. I said it against Toledo. Like, I was worried about Toledo. I was like, I don't know if we'll cover because of quarterback. Yeah. Then Wisconsin, I was like, eh, I think it might be a closer game than I thought it was going to be. This game, I think Rutgers has a lot of injuries as well. I want to say they did going into this game. Or at least last week, they had some injuries. Yeah, we have, I haven't dialed in yet. They lost 27-10 to Iowa. That was their last. So Iowa put 27 on them. That's like... And no shot at Iowa. No yeah. shot at Iowa. Yeah, yeah. But Iowa can't score points. Yeah. Honestly, we might put up 75. Okay. It might be 75. And I say that because CJ Stroud will be out the game. And then McCord's going to uh, record, I believe. It. He's going to come in and just do what he does. I mean, he's a great quarterback, too. And then we still have Devin Brown. Devin Brown, yeah. I feel like they want to get McCord in the game like with some meaningful snaps where they aren't running the score up and they're able to throw the ball, like run the full offense, mm-hmm. see what he can do. And that would be like, be up 42, nothing at halftime kind of game. And Strauss yeah. doesn't come out of the locker room just in case yeah. someone comes to the sidelines and like rolls up his ankle, like <laughs> go back to your apartment. Listen, I'm hundred percent for that. Okay. Like go ahead and get them out. <laughs> Let the young guys play. Yeah. Give them some experience. Yeah. Let the young receivers play as well. Because we know they're going to need experience the way our receiving room has been in and out. Yeah. And really let our, our DBs get some experience as well. Yeah. Because I feel like we're missing two or three defensive backs every game. Yeah. So, yeah, I will say I got to see Proctor out there a little bit mm. on, uh, that made on you Saturday. Happy. Yeah. 
made me very happy. I wish it was a closer game so I could have saw him more, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, man, he's out there playing. Oh man, I just want guys to get reps because we're going to need the death when we come down the line. So. Yeah, well, it's coming up. Rutgers, Michigan State, bye week, and then Iowa comes. And I'll say this, man, Iowa's owed an ass kicking. <laughs> yeah, Iowa might be a sleeper, like, because their season has so far at least been like a disappointment. Yep. For Iowa. They got a defense Iowa though. Status, they're probably gonna come in here ready to roll and have an attitude of we went to the Big Ten championship last year. Yeah. We can still do this. Let's give Ohio State everything that we give them. Yeah. They're hosting Michigan this week. So yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe Iowa decides to be Iowa this week, and then Michigan has some issues with them again. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay, and we'll finish with this. My last question: When you bring that up, do you want Michigan going undefeated coming in the shoe, or are you fine if they lose every game or any game? Listen, I don't give a damn for the entire state of Michigan because I'm from Ohio. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, it's always good if they're undefeated, right? Because then the whole strength of schedule question. It kind of goes out the window at the end of the year, at least. But honestly, I really don't care if they're undefeated or not. They lose, they lose. Like, yeah. I truly wanted Maryland to win last week. Yeah. Not so much because I hated Michigan, but because I felt like Maryland had everything they needed in order to win. They just, it was like a few plays here and there where it's like, yo, y'all were like this close. Yeah. And for some reason, they stopped running the ball, which was weird to me because Michigan couldn't even stop them. Mm. They were getting like four yards a carry. And yeah. They stopped running. And I was like, what are you doing? Some teams just don't know how to win, man. Yeah. I mean, the close games, the close games. Yeah. I mean, they're still growing. But to me, Maryland's a team where I'd be worried about. Yeah. Well, this is good, man. We'll do it again next week. Go, Bucks. Yes, sir. Go, Bucks. Let's go. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a -a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network.